0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Our world is always so rush-rush, we can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray our mission to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives remember when life was so much simpler Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so empower you to make changes in your own life and now here is Gabriella
2: von Ray good morning everyone and welcome to another show of Mike radio we have an exciting show today. I'm doing it out of Venice, Florida, where it's very beautiful and sunny today. We have all been wronged by someone close to us. Perhaps you were hurt by a sweetheart or a spouse. Were there fights, harsh words, cheating, estrangement, nothing that a Valentine's Day could not fix, co-workers or bosses whose actions damaged your career or your income, an abusive or neglectful or even an absent parents. I could go on and on. You feel betrayed. You feel that you can't forgive the person. This entire segment is about the freedom of forgiveness. And we have a very sought-after speaker, an author called Joseph, uh, Joseph Pajal, whose experience has taught him the power of forgiveness. Welcome, Joseph, to this
3: show. Well, thank you, Gabrielle. I'm honored to be here.
2: Uh, I'm honored to have you because, you know, when I spoke to you the first time, I thought it was, you know, the word forgiveness conjures up a lot of feelings for me instantly. You know, it's like, shall we or shall we not do it? Because sometimes it feels like we hold on to things. So tell me how you got passionate about this topic.
3: Well, I learned about forgiveness the the hard way. I learned from my uh, childhood experiences. Um, when I was uh, five, I drowned and had a near-death experience and was obviously resuscitated. At uh, the age of 10, I was hit by a car. He was going 15 to 25 mile an hour zone. Uh, and after that, after high school, I joined the armed services, uh, went to Southeast Asia, The war fought the war in Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. got PTSD and a traumatic head injury, and... After that, I had two heart attacks uh, with blood pressures over three seventy to two eighty, and that's. This. (laughs) this, Learned learned about trauma and forgiveness.
2: I'm I'm totally quiet here because this doesn't sound nice at all.
3: (laughs) I know, I know, I know it. Um, I learned it it was just really interesting that uh, of all the organizations and people who were involved, that it could have held on forgiveness. Mm-hmm. with or to and I learned that uh, I was only hurting myself You know I wasn't hurting them I was only keeping myself in the prison mm-hmm. when I could have learned to say I forgive you and gone from there
2: yeah no I understand that but the, the message that I'm sure that you're trying to convey is how do you get there how do you how do you actually learn to move forward?
3: Well, for instance, a person who suffered trauma is mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a process. Uh, learning to forgive is a process. In fact, forgiveness is actually the last thing for a person to do that has been really wrong, such as a you know a victim of childhood abuse.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's a process that a person has to go through because they uh, have to come to the point of understanding themselves and their needs. You know. Uh, the part that the perpetrator played out, or you know, even the part that God played in their lives? Uh, they help them become more self-aware. Mm-hmm. You know, they take a, they can take a look at the emotional wounds, place responsibility where it should be, and yesterday's pain is uh, should be no longer the foundation for the future, but become reconciled with it. themselves, not separate from God, but together with Him.
2: Would you say that the pain ends up giving you a lot of strength?
3: Yes, it has made me more resilient. I mm-hmm. uh, found out that I, you know, I can take. Uh, I'm not afraid of death anymore. Obviously, because I've been there.
0: <laughs> yes,
3: and I am. You know, I. I face things head on. I don't. You know, I re- go re uh, become a recluse. I don't isolate myself anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to people more because isolation is the worst thing you can do if you've been hurt by a trauma, or. Someone
2: else. okay but when when it is a, a trauma when it's a physical trauma mm-hmm. would you say it's a different type of forgiveness for example uh, I'm, I'm just going to take an example that you hear often um let's say that a loved one got hit by drunk drunken driving right, right. um at that moment it's obviously a, a death or it's maybe you stay alive, but you have an injury for a lifetime. How, in this case, would this person learn to forgive?
3: Well, you know, following a traumatic event or a repeated trauma, people react in different ways. You know, they yes. experience a range of physical and emotional reactions. You know, there's no right or wrong way to think, feel, or respond to a trauma. And you can't. Judge your own reactions of those other people, you know, because your responses are normal reactions to abnormal events.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, there is a, you can, there are different types of things. You can ask for, ask for support. Um, you can, it's important, you know, you got to talk about the feelings and ask for help that you need. You know, you turn to a trusted family member. That's what's really good. If you have a good friend, you know, have them listen to you. Fill out everything inside you. That's really important, just to vent all your frustrations and everything out to a friend, you I mean, oh, know, a counselor or a clergyman. But um, do you
2: know how difficult it is? I mean, I, I think you know, but, I mean, for the listener, it is so difficult. Sure. Uh, I think from experience to show your vulnerability. Uh, sure. I, I think that's the number one key, no?
3: Oh, sure. I think that finding a trusted person to talk to is really, really important. On my mm-hmm. website, for instance, I have a link yes. to uh, a you know Christian counselors who are you know all over the United States. They have they are licensed you know counselors. They uh, different areas of trauma and abuse and everything like that, and they uh, can help a person. You know, and all I have, all you have to do is go on there, and plug in the state, the city and state that you're in, and you can mm-hmm. and show you some different counselors to talk to. Professional help is really very very important. I know that I have to, had to go through it with a uh, VA myself as far as my PTSD, and now I've just discovered that I had this traumatic head injury, I, I have to seek professional help myself.
2: Okay. Okay, and what would you say for the listener between the traumatic experience or um, I'm going to something real basic, um, I'm 49 what if we have no abuse in the home, but we feel that we were neglected by our parents, or we feel that they could have done better, and and we hang on to all these emotions, whereas well, yeah. the parent has no problem with it, right? They've moved on.
3: Well, that's interesting, because I found out that there, sometimes there are generational tags that we carry around in our, in our families, that it doesn't yes. matter if our father or mother might have had... Um, some problems with how uh, their parents argued, and so I mean, you know, what better example for your child is, or worse example, is your parents. You know, you mm-hmm. follow their example so that the generation, the emotional patterns can be passed down through the generations. And as far as, and so say you get involved with a spouse, and all of a sudden you're just repeating the same patterns that your parents did or your grandparents did.
2: Mm hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's what I think is so intriguing about the human behavior is that we do not know any better than what was exampled in front of us during our youth.
3: Right. But and
2: you are saying that there's a way around this.
3: Of course there's a way around it. Okay. Um, the, first of all, you have to you know uh, you might have to do a little bit of research into your family background mm-hmm. to find out, you know, if your parents were this way or that way, you know, you just ask your mom or dad or your grandma and grandpa, well, did so-and-so fight? Well, aha, okay, there's their basis for it. Now, you have to decide whether you want to buy into what they did or become an individual and seek out some help to work with this particular type of thing. You know, that's where the friends and the counselors come in.
2: Okay. Do you feel that when you're counseling people that they often hang on to things because they're really getting something out of it? Just as much by staying the victim?
3: Right, right. Gabrielle, first of all, I'm not a counselor. What I do is I just simply share my own experiences. And, okay. And that is, you know, the the research that I've done is in relation to my own, you know, my own um, psychological problems that I deal with myself.
2: Mm-hmm. But didn't you, at a certain point, or I might have gotten that wrong in our conversation? Did you, at a certain point, do counseling through the church, or did I get that wrong?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's no. no. I think you might have misunderstood. Okay. It. No, I don't. Okay. It's just. A, oh okay. Yeah. Go ahead. But your
2: experience, we can all learn from it. So it's almost like counseling because by you um, relating your experience to us we obviously resonate with parts of your story because we've all had the same emotions.
3: Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Trauma, I, I understand trauma completely. Yes. Um, but I have understand that I, I, I talk, I I have worked these things out, you know, I've made peace with God, I have, you know, I've <laughs> cried my heart out to Him lots of times.
0: Okay.
3: And Uh, I'm so glad, for instance, you know, when I was down there in that 30 feet of water that I drowned in, I mean, there was no doubt that I met him face-to-face in his spiritual form. You know, a lot of people argue with that, but I knew it was him. And I tell you, I didn't want to come back from that point because it was so joyful and peaceful. But I guess God had other plans for me. So I'm glad he did.
2: Wow. Okay, do you want to deepen a little bit on that near-death experience? Or?
3: Well, the, uh, it was very interesting. The, uh, I didn't, you know, after, you know, there's nothing to hold on to in 30 feet of water. I mean, you're just, you're, when you die, you're gone. And mm-hmm. I talked with the lifeguard that, um, at my dad's funeral in 1985, and I asked him, well, how was it, How what would I look like when I came out of the water? And he said, well, you weren't moving or breathing, and you were turning purple, which is a clinical sign of, obviously no circulation so my heart had stopped and um, I mean, he put completely right back in the water after i got out of there too is the wise thing otherwise it was totally frightened of water and mm-hmm. it's it was it's like what a thermal uh person who's suffering from hypothermia goes through the same type of experience euphoria and peace and joy and that's what I went through, only it was more intense because, well, I'm just about ready to go meet Jesus.
2: <laughs> wow. And how old were you, Joseph?
3: Five years old.
2: Five years old. And what do you feel out of this experience was a change in your life immediately?
3: Well, okay, like I mentioned before, see, I'm not afraid of death. I mean, you know, my physical body may cry out in pain, but I am not afraid of death of any kind. I mean, okay. And I, I already met the source of I'm going to go to after I live my life so I'm not afraid and uh, I don't suggest everybody dive into 30 feet of water to find God either I don't know no way okay. uh, but um, <clears throat> through the trauma that I've learned that, uh, that you know there is a specific reason for your life you know I think God has a specific reason for your life doesn't matter you know how much you've gone through there is a specific specific reason for your life, and that you're very special, and that you have a purpose. And if anything that I have gone through can help encourage people to realize how special they are, then, well, I've accomplished my goal. Okay.
2: Okay. Well, people are really special, and they are all struggling, right, with so many issues. And one of the things that really uh, hit me on your Facebook, and I really like that you wrote about that, that you touched upon it, is about the memories of all the wounds that everyone has. And dealing with, what is your advice with dealing about these memories and these wounds? Because you have them too. How do you truly move and you said the word face head on and me personally joseph i love that word i'm i'm that kind of person but i know how hard it is to do that because you really got to search deep to do that what is your advice to to not ignore the memory of the wounds because i think that's where it all starts no
3: well that's true um you know there are some really important things like you know like staying grounded for instance um Is you know, if you feel disoriented or confused or upset, you know, there's an exercise that you can do. You can sit on a chair, put your feet on the ground, press on your thighs, uh, look around you and pick six objects that you have, red or blue. These are just some practical steps that you can follow, Mm -hmm. you know. This should allow you to feel in the present more grounded in your body. And also deep breathing exercises are very important, you know. Um, Just take deep breaths and, you know, concentrate on the... Here and now, not the time present. You don't want to concentrate on those memories. So much is where you are right now, and you may want to go outdoors and find a peaceful place. Placed, you know, to sit on the grass. You know, you can feel how your body can be held and supported by the ground. These are just really really cool things that you can do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And also, the idea is is to get yourself involved with other people. You know, that gets you out of yourself. That's, uh, uh, you know, go where. Go talk to other people. You know, find out what they're like. Listen to them. Let them talk. And, you know, you might be surprised that there are other people out there with the same things that you have, you the know, same types of problems. You learn from from other people. It helps you not be so selfish. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. And you also learn that that's not the only... You're not the only one with exactly the same problem. We, we're millions of people walking this earth with exactly the same fears. Right. Right. But still, how do... S- someone let, let's say that i feel like i'm hanging on to the past and i feel that it's an obstacle for me to move forward and i really need to forgive i'm just going to say i need to forgive my sister just to give the listener an example how first of all how do i do it and how do i know in my mind and my heart's of hearts that i have forgiven her
3: all right say um you know a person for instance, I had to come to the point where I, I had to understand myself my needs that um, I take a look at the emotional and you know I place the responsibility where it should be and yesterday's pain pain's really no, off, no longer the foundation for my future but you know I become reconciled with myself not separate from God but you know together with him and um, when this process is, when my process has been completed that the abuser you know, uh, forgiving the abuser for many, you know, it's a natural occurrence. And so I was free to, free to let go, move on, leave the past behind. You know, forgiveness is not an isolated act that works by itself. Freeing a person from difficulties, you know, it's part of a process.
2: Okay, but what is the process that okay. you have to go through? The
3: okay. process you have to go through is, first of all, you have to deal with all these different types of emotions. That's where okay. a counselor comes in. You know, a person, you know... um for instance, a person who, that has abused, you know, they struggle with shame, guilt, anger, and grief, and everything that that means. And, you know, they still want to be free of them, but they still need to work at understanding the underlying issues that come from years of, uh, you know, suppression or denial. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, a good counselor comes in to help or a good friend that you can trust. In fact, that's a good point. Trust, when you've been perpetrated, the trust has been broken you know especially yeah. with childhood abuse you know they they that trust between the parent or the relative has been broken they can no absolutely. longer trust them so.
2: absolutely so so once you find that trusted counselor mm-hmm. the process of course is can be short or long depending on the person and the willingness to be open
3: is that right. correct right like a good counselor acts as a guide they they simply just point you in the right directions and they help you achieve the direction that you're going, you know, they work out uh, different types of uh, uh, exercises. Like, you know, sometimes they use Gestalt or uh, they'll work with the emotions that you're feeling at the time, you know. That, that's really different types of things mm-hmm. that, uh, that helps.
2: Oh, okay. And once, once the person is ready to deal with the emotions, mm-hmm. even if my my mind and my heart really knows what the issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the listener, what would be so interesting for them to know through your own experience is what it takes to do that last step. Because, you know, I, I'm going to give you a really easy one. You know, um, I, I'm my home base is Vancouver, British Columbia, and I've always been taught that if you bump into someone by accident on the street, you say sorry. That's as simple as that. You just apologize and you keep walking. Mm -hmm. But uh, in Vancouver, there are an enormous amount of uh, a flux of Chinese people living there who don't speak English and who are used to uh, their culture, which is thousands of people walking the streets, much more than in Vancouver. So when they bump into someone, they never say sorry. It's, never, mm-hmm. it's it's not in the culture to, mm-hmm. to say that, because then they might as well say sorry every five seconds for the rest of their lives, right?
3: Right, right, right. So
2: right. I'm just making a point here that saying sorry really quickly for a child or to a stranger, that is quite easy for all of us to do, Right. Oh, say, sorry, you hurt someone. Oh, sorry, I didn't even realize I hurt you. You know, those are things that we're all capable of doing very quickly. But it is when it has to do with a loved one or when we're so emotionally attached to a person, you know, that we can do it. And there comes a question in two directions, is the question of um, when you recover from a physical trauma, is it easier to forgive because it's a different, it's more a physical thing than to forgive a parent or an abuser or a person that was so emotionally attached to you, which is different than a physical trauma? So in which area is it easier to forgive in your experience?
3: Well, I it was an interesting thing. Like my foreign father, I really didn't know my own father because... Uh, he really wasn't a good father because he didn't have a good father. See, there's the generational thing that sneaks in. And I, I, um, I have, I picked my mom's brain after my dad died to find out everything I could about my dad. You know, and he was a veteran of World War II, and he had obviously had PTSD because he was a combat veteran.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: um, I, you know, was I, I needed to find out. Basically, what I'm saying here is, you know, you sometimes you have to find out something about the other person. You know, it's you get a, get it get them to talk, get them to talk, and find out what they're they're like. You know, um, you don't have to feel you know sorry for your own reactions. I think it's just important that you realize the, you know that where the other person is coming from. That means you have to learn compassion. Mm-hmm. Compassion is a very important tool, and once you learn compassion, you know that sets you out of the way. That sets your you know, what you want out of the way and you listen to the other person. And they feel they, they feel then they can trust you with their inside emotions and they spill all this stuff out and then you begin to understand them better and then they trust you to spill your emotions out and there's the communication that's established. So it's interesting, but the problem is I'm if I say, okay, I'm hurt, I don't want you to touch me, I'm going to selfishly hold on to all that hurt and see that puts up a barrier in a wall you don't want to do that that's where compassion is okay i put myself aside you're important i want to listen to you and it opens up that line of communication between you people you see what i mean yeah
2: absolutely and once they have that line of communication what would be the next step
3: line of communication listening is such a very very important tool you know just zip your mouth closed and listen but don't just sit there and look at read a book or look around or look at the trees. Actually, look at it right, right straight into a person's eyes and concentrate because they say that you know the eyes are the like looking glass to the soul. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to, to make that person important enough to listen to them, and that establishes trust. You know, concerts will do that to you. They'll look right. Most of the concerts that I've worked with, they look right directly at me. They don't. They look right at me and, and concentrate on me, like I'm important
0: yeah
2: which is really important i think for the person that to establish a trust relationship but still I've, I've i've done therapy in my life and i can tell you that it's not the therapist that teaches me how to forgive right so where is it in the human being where is it in our own psyche in our own heart that we learn to forgive someone where we have the epiphany that we go. It's either this, or I'm stuck for the rest of my life in the same spot.
3: Right. You know. Um. <laughs> you know. Unconditional forgiveness. You know, it comes at a great cost. You oh know. No. Um, the person who's, a, say, been abused as a child has already paid an enormous cost. You know, it's not always possible for them to come to uh, face the enormity of the problem. You know. Sometimes seeing it clearly for the first time and then being able to outlay another cost at that point. Forgiveness of an abuser often comes with a long process of coming to terms with a lifetime of effects. And a person who finds it difficult to forgive a perpetrator may not have an unforgiving heart, you know, they may be asking for some space to come to a resolution. Okay. Um, so that's it, it. Took me some time. I mean, you know, I'm right now. I'm over sixty, and it took me that long to learn the process to forgive all these different people and organizations for what they did to me or put me in the situations where I was hurt. And I have had to learn to get out of myself and get into others.
2: Uh, could you repeat that last word? I learned to get. I beg your pardon. Could you just repeat that for a second? I learned to.
3: I learned to get out of myself and to get into, get into others to get into others. okay
2: And me when I listen to that, I hear something uh, profoundly important which is um, because to get into others you learn um, you learn that you're not alone in all these fears and these no. situations. You' no?
3: not alone
2: not alone at
3: all. Not alone at all.
2: I'm and in, that knowledge is sharing, and the right. knowledge is power. In the end, it gives you strength.
3: Right, and I, you know, I, okay. I, I realize I go back. I'll go back to my when I drowned. It that, you know, when there, no one else was there, there was God. So I start with Him, and when I use Him as the basis, of my belief in God, I, I found out that it's easier to work with people because, well, let's face it, you know, He, he created, you know, He's the Father with all.
2: Mm-hmm. And do you feel, and there's one more question, we're going to go into break so you get a chance to think about it during the break. I love asking a little bit difficult questions, Joseph, okay. because it, it 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 provokes the mind into thinking, it provokes the heart into feeling and beating maybe a little bit faster, or a little bit more compassionate. But... Is is there a true difference between uh, forgiving and forgetting? Because I, I know what forgive is, and I know what forget is. But the difference between them, is it a myth? And think about this. We're going all into a commercial break. And, uh, Joseph, stay tuned. We'll be right back, everyone.
0: Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network.
1: Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even co-worker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family caregivers unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. will provide you with a social networking experience. tuned in to might radio do you have a question or comment for our show perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness please send an email to gabriella von ray at gmail.com that's g-a-b-r-i-e-l-l-a-v-a-n-r-i-j at gmail.com now back to might radio with gabriella von ray
2: Hi, everyone, and for the people that are just tuning in, The Freedom of Forgiveness with Joseph Pajal, public speaker and author who's talking about his own experiences in trauma and forgiveness. Joseph, just before we went into the uh, commercial break where we're talking about forgive and forget, because in the English language we use it so much, And I always say the same thing. I can forgive, actually, easier than I can forget. I I don't think I will ever forget um, the painful moments in my life. But I've forgiven the people because, it's for me, it was easier not to hang on to it. So what is your thought between those two words, forgiving and forgetting?
3: Well, you know, a person that's been hurt or wounded will really never forget uh, the hurt that's done to them. For instance, in my own case... I have PTSD that I'm dealing with right now because of the war in uh, Southeast Asia, and I have the memories are very, sometimes very, very real. I mean, intrusive thoughts, sometimes flashbacks will occur, and the memories are very, very real, and they hurt just as much as they hurt the day that I, you know, received them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so, what I have learned to do is that uh, you know, like i mentioned to you at break time that, you know, those memories are just like a a pebble in your shoe that you're always going to have. I mean, they're going to be irritating, they're going to cause pain, they're going to be there. And Mm -hmm. I've learned to walk with them and and to learn to walk regardless of them and long through my life and still experience joy and peace and love regardless of those memories. And when they do come up, I'm going to say, hey, I have learned to forgive myself first because that's of the first people you really need to forgive is yourself because Mm -hmm. because the situation or the organization the person that hurt you may not even could probably care less that you're hurting right now but if you've learned to forgive yourself and say okay i'm forgiven i forgive myself i'm going to start over i'm going to heal and start thinking positive thoughts start thinking reinforcing Okay.
2: Do, do you feel that it's easier to forgive with your faith? You 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 are you are of Christian faith, correct?
3: Yes, it yeah. really is important uh, to base that I based it on God. I mean, well, when I drowned it, who else was there in that 30 feet of water except God himself? There was nobody else there. So it just reinforced my belief and faith in God because I know he's real.
2: And do you feel that from that moment, though, because you had that experience and thousands and millions of people on this planet have not had that experience, so they have to hold on to the faith that they believe in their heart and their mind, Mm -hmm. that God exists, and do you feel that for faith-based people it is easier to go towards forgiveness than people that say, I'm of no faith at all, I don't believe in God, I've never seen Him. And how do you explain to them, then, um, to learn to forgive and to forgive yourself?
3: Well, the, uh, you know, there again, you know, uh, that faith-based people, you know, we're really, you know, no different than the average person on the street. I mean, we are Mm -hmm. just as messed up, and uh, we can do the same kind of hurt, things bad that they do. So we're really no different than them. The only difference is that we know that we have someone or, you know, being, a wonderful spiritual being that we can go to and talk to about our problems, and really they didn't have no knowledge of them. But, you know, that's why God placed his people to be with people, you know, to take over, I mean, to represent him on this Mm -hmm. earth. So that's why it's important that we just learn to communicate with each other.
2: Okay. So you you but you agree that it is tougher though of for the people it's, that it's, are not safe. Right, days.
3: of course it is. Yeah. I mean, there's so, there's some children that have grown up with no parents. I mean, they don't know what a mother or father is, and they uh, may be an, an orphan, and they have no idea what a parent is. That's why it's very very important that you know sometimes you know God will place you in situations where you have to deal with this situation with these children, and then you have to become. Basically, God to them. You have to represent God to them.
2: You mean for orphan children?
3: Anybody. Anybody. Anybody that's hurting, that needs a friend. You just represent God to them. And that's what we're supposed to do.
2: I think we're all supposed to. As you know, the show is all about human kindness. And I really feel that our society has dropped the ball on it. But I find it always amazing how easier it is for people to lash out to each other And um, I'm in a situation right now where people are trying, you know, in a situation where someone is sick. And Mm -hmm. people love to blame. And so what's quite interesting is when you just mentioned all this is I think me personally, my experience in life is that it was easier to deal with kindness because that's my wish in life is kindness than to lash out at everything and just to hold on and blame everyone because the problem still doesn't go away. If I blame doctors or the people that got you in your traumatic situations and traumas, it it still doesn't change it. It's still happening. It's still a fact that was there, and you learned something from it, and now you're giving back uh, your knowledge to other people.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Right. And so I really feel that um, one of the things we do a lot uh, is the blame game. And I think we hold on to the blame game much longer than we are willing to be kind. One kind word goes a very, very long way, but we seem to have really forgotten that. Oh, How would you instill this back into people?
3: Yeah, Learn to smile at people, for one thing. That really is interesting. Um, Smiling at people, I get more positive responses out of people, and uh, just by smiling. I do too,
2: but it's a little bit more dangerous when you're a woman. Just so you know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. It is.
2: I was with someone, and we did. uh, It was years ago in Europe, and we did. uh, We we ended up being in Paris. Actually, we did a little. You know, test on this, and I I got into trouble a little bit more than I, I
0: anticipated. <laughs> well,
3: that's that's what I think you're doing a kind act, you know. Like uh, uh, I've had this. We were I was sitting in a restaurant one time, and uh, I, I you know I looking at my wallet and was trying to figure out how much money I had. I didn't have enough, and then all of a sudden the waitress comes up and hands me. And she says, "Oh, by the way, your bill's been paid by somebody in next in the next table. I had paid paid my bill for my dinner." Right. It was an act of kindness.
2: Yeah, that's paying forward.
3: That's paying it forward, right. But
2: you, but you know, Joseph, it doesn't always work. I, I seem to love seniors for some reason. Don't ask me why. <laughs> it's been all my life. And so uh, I must have been 19, and I'm helping this senior over a busy boulevard in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And she starts hitting me with her walker and her purse. Oh, oh God. <laughs> and she says, you know, Please, foreigners, don't touch me. And I'm like, I'm flabbergasted. and But I happened to be me and gutsy. And I said, hey, little old lady, it's not because you're old that you have a right to hit me. I'm really trying to help you. Do you see that you have 10 seconds left to make it to the other side? I need to either steer you back and you wait or you go.
3: Well, that's and good. She
2: looked so surprised. She said, help me to go back. I'm sorry.
3: Well, that's. You know, sometimes you have to be that way, I mean. You have to still bring him back into reality, too.
2: I, I agree with that. But one of the things I learned from this experience is we you just said it. We all have our own reality. Mm-hmm. And who am I to burst her bubble? Um, I, I don't think that's part of the kindness I, I want to
0: Well, you know, you know
3: the, know. the thing, one of the things is you just realized that, you know, it took kindness to bring her back into that reality.
2: It did. It did but she was in such a world of her own that I kind of appreciate that too. I sure. appreciate that you have a world that you feel totally safe in. Sure. And 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 I've always noticed that it's not up to me to burst people's bubbles. <laughs> That's but, <laughs> true. That's true. But um back to forgiveness here. Mm-hmm. Um you, on the other hand, when when I see our two lives um, next to each other, your life has been much more traumatic mm-hmm. on a physical level than mine. Mm-hmm. But you happen to talk about orphan children, and obviously I perked up because I was an orphan for three years until I got adopted.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: I I definitely agree that that leaves its markings too in the world, but. Kindness is truly the only way, I think, what we can teach, what we can give, because in the end, and I'm going to ask you this personal question, in the end, what is it that everyone that talks to you wants and everyone that talks to me, they all want the same, right? They want love, they want a little bit of security, and if possible, a roof over their heads. But that's all they want.
3: Right, and, you know, I've discovered something very interesting, that freedom and forgiveness are synonymous. You know, you can't have one without the other.
2: Now, that I agree totally with, because you came up with the title, and I loved it, because I, I almost saw freedom uh, equals forgiveness when I saw your title. I, I, I think it's great. By the way, I think that's a great title for a book.
3: It sure is.
2: <laughs> Maybe for your third one, and um, please tell the readers a little bit about your trilogy and why are you creating a trilogy of books? Um, I know the first one is called Fire Dance, and the second one—I wrote it down—the encounters, um, encounters, the divine encounters. Yeah, is that
3: it? encounters of the divine kind.
2: Ah. I miss the of encounters of the divine kind.
3: Yes, talk um, a little
2: bit of how how you came about that.
3: Well, you know that uh, first of all is the the first book is just a bare bones in your face kind of thing where the uh, uh, the person, my main one of my main characters, of course, is a child victim of childhood abuse, and how uh, him and his family you know deal with the situation at the same time. They come up with crises of their own, and they learn to deal with their own issues of forgiveness. So it's kind of a neat thing. It just kind of you know and uh, cascades over and over. And of course, I end up in a cliffhanger, which is good for a series because people say, Ah, what happened? I want to go to my next go to the next book, which is really important because I take it to a, you know a higher higher spiritual level in that in that uh, in that second part and the second book where I just involve you know more issues about generational issues of forgiveness, and uh, how the main characters deal with the um, divine kind.
2: Okay. Do you really feel that we're entrapped? You said something that really just piqued my interest there in your sentence. Do you think that we're entrapped in generations, really, and I really mean the word entrapped, Mm -hmm. into a generation? I mean, I see how rigid my parents were. And, you know, and then the next generation again is me and now my daughter, and they're all the opposite. They're all entitled. Mm-hmm. They, they do what they want. There seems very little standards and values that are created. So mm-hmm. where did we go from totally rigid to this entrapment of generation that is totally free and doesn't think about anyone anymore?
3: Well, you know, that the, what I have learned is that, you know, you take, um, as far as my beliefs are concerned, I've learned to take that really to, uh, you know, the cross of Christ, because that's where all evil stops. You Mm -hmm. really have to take that to that point where you say, hey, I'm I'm taking this, once you discover it, take, you know, this generational curse, or, you know, there are generational blessings, too. I mean, they give us, our our ancestors give us gifts as well as, you know, talents, too, not just curses. But to take Mm -hmm. the curse to this, to the cross and say, hey, it stops right here. Take it to God and say, hey, it stops right here. And once you stop things in the spiritual, it'll affect in the natural. It always does that. Even though you can't see the spiritual, it's still there. It still relates give us, to the
2: natural. Give us an example how it could relate to the natural. I understand what you're saying, but for mm-hmm. the listener, it'd be easier.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's sort of like... Um, Okay, if you know, ever, you know um, it's like an electrical wire, I don't know, you know, electrical wire creates this um, energy field around it called flux, electrical yep. flux, and mm-hmm. then even though you can't see this electrical flux, it's still there, I mean, you go near a wire that has a lot of voltage and amperage going through it, and the hair on your arm will raise right up, like static electricity, it will raise yes. the hair off your head, it's the same okay. thing, you, you can't see it, but it's still there.
2: Okay, I see what you mean. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Where can people buy your first book, Joseph?
3: Um, you can go on Amazon.com and buy the book. You can also go to BarnesandNoble.com, and there's a lot of other uh, on time, online retailers. Uh, in fact, if you go to my website, there'll be a whole list of books a million BAM uh, and all. Can, can, can you?
2: Can you tell them your website, please?
3: Yes. It's uh, the, for Freedom of dot com. That's www.thefreedomofforgiveness.com.
2: And when is your second book expected to come out?
3: Um, the second book is already printed. It's now being edited and it should be coming out next month.
2: Fantastic. How exciting for you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and so when I listen to you and I listen to your story and I see your website, What is it that you want to leave with the listeners? Because your life has truly been very different um, than most of us. I mean, my life looks boring next to yours, Joseph.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, the first thing I'd like to leave uh, a person with is that they are not alone. I mean, that there's people out there that have gone through these experiences Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we just have to learn to um, really to take a look at the mirror in the morning and if I feel like I'll get a little sticker on the mirror it says, you know, the judgment stops with a reflection in this mirror we have to learn to stop judging others and learn to forget them
2: But I think we can stop judgment the moment we are just kind to them I think, unfortunately, everyone expects to be judged nonstop. Right. So the element, for me, that's my technique. The element right. of surprise. Mm-hmm. Every single person that thinks I come at them because I want something from them or I'm going to be mean to them, right. whether they're adults or children or seniors, it doesn't matter. Right. The moment you have an act of kindness, a kind word or a smile,
3: Right. You right. think,
2: right. what does she want? And slowly but surely... Whatever they judged about me, whether it was where does she come from, a foreigner again, blah, 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 changes really, really fast. Sure, it does. And it starts with the acceptance of oneself. So, again, like you said, and I really want to stress that for the listener, Joseph said you have to learn to start forgiving yourself first. Right. And if you can do that, then the rest becomes a lot easier, and it becomes a lot easier not to judge other people.
3: Right. Right,
2: right. And that sounds really right to me too. Is there any other words you want to leave the
3: listener with? Joseph? No, I just enjoyed talking with you, Gabriel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I enjoyed talking with you too. We missed most of the commercials. I hope they're not too mad at us. But this is really great. Okay. And um, I, um, I just um, want the reader, uh, the reader, the listener to really understand that. Forgiveness is important, but I really want to stress, Joseph, that I think it only begins with us.
3: That's true. I think it would be
2: hard to teach someone to start forgiving someone else when there are so many issues. Right. Because, uh, again, listeners, I think if you start with yourself and forgiving what you think you did all wrong in your childhood, and if you can maybe be kind to yourself and learn that you are good enough, and that it's not up to your parents or your sister no. or your brother no. or the teacher to tell you how good you are. That's right. You know that you are good. You know that you're special. And every single human being has the right to feel that way. And the only person that can make you feel good, unfortunately, is yourself. <laughs> we keep looking for boyfriends, girlfriends, and all these things that are going to create happiness, but that's really not true. I think if you're not happy yourself... If you can't step over that enormous shadow, which is you, and dare, and not be fearful of all the constraints that lie behind you, you will never get to forgiveness and move forward. Joseph, any words? <laughs>
3: yes, yeah, that's really important because you know you have to learn to break through all these different crutches and learn how to walk on your own.
2: Yeah, I always try to, I teach the children a lot, and I think it's the invisible constraints that hold us back, not just the forgiveness part. And Mm -hmm. the more we're triggered, the more I tell a child that I think it's like a boomerang on purpose. It's a boomerang hitting you in the head on purpose. Mm -hmm. All those triggers are there so that you please do something. And the more you're triggered, the more someone... is trying to tell you, please change this because I'm not going away. I'm going to keep hurting you by giving you all the triggers that irritate you Mm -hmm. until you look at them. And by the way, guys, if you're already willing to look at them, to me that's the most important step. What you do afterwards is less important to me. But the willingness to look at it is, if you can get that out of this show, both Joseph and I would be very happy
3: Joseph.
2: Yes. A- any words on what I just said?
3: Um, I would be glad, you know, to talk with a person, you know, share my experiences, and I uh, would be glad to, uh, you know, share my books with them. In um, fact, uh, there's I have a YouTube video too that you can watch too. That's uh, under Joseph Padel and Forgiveness. So um, mm-hmm. I just important that you remember the first person that you have to forgive is the one that's staring you back from the mirror.
2: Yes, absolutely. And my own belief is that I think the kinder we are, the easier it is to be forgiving to others. Yes, it is. And to yourself. Yes, it is. Because what we put out there, we do get back. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, and I know in my 49 years it's never felt like that. But I've never given up for that one kind word that you'll hear from another human being.
3: That's true. Kind act and kind words.
2: Kind act and kind words. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening to My Radio. And thank you, Joseph, for being on my show. It's an honor to have you, and it's an honor to talk about your books. And for everyone, please go to thefreedomofforgiveness.com to be in touch with Joseph directly and to look at his books and to be able to buy them. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next week with another show of Might Radio.
1: again for joining us this week might radio with gabriella von ray can be heard every friday at noon eastern time nine pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel have a great week and until our next show think of a random act of kindness that you can perform